Welcome to Black History Matters 365, hosted by Joanne Scave, your marketplace entrepreneur, and better known as Joe Scave. I am excited that you have joined us today. This podcast is supported by the revolutionary curriculum, BH365, an inclusive account of American history. This is a weekly podcast that has interviews, roundtables, special series, and community-focused events around the world. I am excited today because we have a special guest in the studio, and I believe that is American history and really represents Black men or just men in general in the world today. And that is one and only my great friend, Chris Uh Sanders. Hello, Chris. Superhero. What's going on with you? You doing all right? I am doing fantastic. We are so excited to have you here today. Today is about celebrating you, but at the same time, what we do on this podcast, we try to focus on history makers from the past. And when I think of you, Chris, I actually think of Jesse Owens. I can't help to think about (laughs) Jesse Owens. So I'm going to start off with a quote and a little bit about Jesse Owens before we jump into you, because you have a lot in common with him and and our audience is going to (laughs) see. Jesse Owens, one of his, yes, one of his quotes is, friendships born on the field of the athletic strive are the real gold of competition. Awards become corroded and friends gather no dust. That's Jesse Owens, that's what he said. And he said this after a friend of his on the field, a German German competitor of his who helped him win that gold medal for the long jump. He actually gave him tips Mm -hmm. when I did my research, he gave him advice on how to jump that long jump. And his name was, Lux Long, or Lux Long is what they call him, Lux Long. Mm-hmm. And he was a German. And so you had a black man uh-huh. and a German during that time with the German Olympics with Hitler in control when there was anti-Jewish yeah. propaganda going on. Those two came together and Jesse would, if, even if he uh-huh. was here today, he would tell you, if it wasn't for my friend Long, I wouldn't have gotten that medal today. And I know you're like that, Chris. You have a lot of friends in your life that support you. And I love that about Jesse. Because when when he was at the 1936 Olympics, at the German Olympics, back home, it was a different story for him. Because that was during the time he had to be split colored on this side and white on this side. And even before he went to the Olympics as a collegiate, he couldn't even sleep in the dorms because he was black. So he was going through a lot of racial injustice back home in Ohio, where you're from. And um, at Ohio State, he that's where he went to school and became the track star as yourself. And um, so Jesse has a lot to say to us today. But here's what's so beautiful about Jesse's stories that matches yours. Now we're focused on Chris Sanders. You beat (laughs) record. I can't believe it. You beat his record. And that record of, it was 26. His was 26.6. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Or yes, 26.6. And yours was 26.9 and a half feet. So you beat him. You beat the Jesse Owens record. Could you believe that? (laughs) I mean, it, it was a blessing, but... One thing I love about Jesse Owens is, and let me just backtrack a little bit. The night before mm-hmm. I broke it, 
I was looking at it, uh, they were talking on ESPN about Jesse Owens. And I kind of knew a little bit about Jesse Owens, but I didn't know the significance of how big he was. So then the next day I get into the track meet and I break the record and my coach comes up to me and said, Chris, do you know what you just did? He said, you just broke a long jump record. I'm like, whoa. And the one thing I love about Jesse Owens is even though he went through a lot of situations, even though he went through a lot of racial tension, he had his mind made up. And when I say he had his mind made up is even though people treated him wrong, mm-hmm. he had his mind made up that he was going to love him. And that's what makes him so special. Look at the, the 1936 Berlin Olympics. The same people that did him wrong was the same people that gave him a, uh, him a, sto- a standing ovation. That's so, right. You know, that's right. So they ended up loving him. Man, yes. And if we can just get a taste of what Jesse Owens did, I think we can learn a lot from this man. And I learned a lot from Jesse Owens. Exactly. You did learn a lot. And I can tell you went to Ohio State. So you went where he was (laughs) and where he was the track star. You graduated from Ohio State. So I'm going to do a little bio thing on you because I love (laughs) this because you are, I mean, I personally, I just really admire you for the things that you have accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know that you have touched so many lives already and going to touch many in the future. That's one reason why you're on this podcast is because I want people to know who you are and, um, and we are streaming all over. So you graduated from Ohio State University. You're a little- say the, 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 the Ohio State University. Where Jesse Owens statue stands today, right? Yes, yes. Yep, he's got his own stadium name. Yes, that. exactly. There you were the 11-time All-American track and star field at that time. Yes. And um, the yes. most memorable com- accomplishment, though, was breaking that legendary Jesse Owens um, indoor long jump record. Again, um, 26 feet, point nine and a half inches. Awesome. And then in 1995, chosen as a third-round draft pick by the Houston Oilers, by Houston Oilers, correct, NFL. Yes. And then went on to be with the Titans as well. And then in that same year, and that was in 1995, in that same year, you made All-American rookie team by an average of 23.5 yards per catch, per catch. Memorable, very memorable. (laughs) And what number Super Bowl you were in in 2000? Uh, Super Bowl 34. 34. Man, that's a (laughs) lot. That's a lot down the list. And congratulations yeah. on all those accomplishments. Yeah, and you retired in 2002. You, you, know, you know, I learned about that, just like what you said about Jesse, along the way you build relationships, mm-hmm. and along the way I build relationships with all different ethnicities. I mean, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. Football's fun on the field, and, you know, you get hit by Ray Lewis and play with Eddie George and play with Stephen Gary. You play with some great players, but at the end of the day, football ends, but relationships last. And that's exactly yes. what Jesse Owens was talking about. Exactly. I love that. You know, and I, we, we in Nashville know about y'all relationships because it was very, (laughs) very visual how close you guys were. And even to this day, you know, you guys are still close. And I appreciate that about that athleticism there that you guys exemplify. Now, Chris, tell us about that moment that you actually broke that record. What was going on in your head? Did you think like, I'm gonna beat this record? Or are you just, you were just all in and using his spirit to push you? Yeah. 
You know, just, just like I said a little bit before, is the night before I saw it on uh, ESPN, they were talking about Jesse Owens. So I knew a little bit about Jesse Owens. And then I went to the track meet the next day. And, I, and, and then when I actually broke it, I didn't really know the significance of really who he was until I went back that next day and studied him, studied about the mm. 1936 Olympics and, you know, how he treated people, what he went through, the adversity that he went through. And you have appreciation for not just the athlete that he was, but appreciate that the man that he is. I'm thankful for is I get to keep his legacy alive. That means much more than just breaking the record. That when you look at that record on the board where it says Chris Sanders, that's not just Chris Sanders. It had to start with Jesse Owens, and Jesse Owens just passed the greatness down to me, and that's what makes it so special. Wow, that's really great. Now, I know that um, Ohio State likes to have you back, and you probably talk a little bit about that. And um, I'm really glad that you're keeping that spirit alive because it's the people before that paved the way that makes yeah. us great. And I think you're doing that with your life because tell us a little bit about who you are, where you were born, um, you know, uh, um, your mom is very special in your life. I know that. Um, and, and even maybe some of the things that you face, you know, when it came to racial injustice, did you have a little bit of that growing up and how you surpassed that? You know, uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. I'm from Denver, Colorado. And I grew up there, you know, basically all my life and, you know, grew up with a great mom. My, my dad was in the picture a little bit, but my mom was that pillar of the family. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I was talking to my mom about maybe about two months ago and we were talking about racial injustice. And she said this, she said we had an example that we watched was her, her mother, which was my grandma. Grandma said, she said, in this house, in spite of what others do, we're going to show love. Mm. And I sat there and I was like, wow, mom, you went through all that stuff, went through all that adversity, getting attacked by dogs, can't get water, and you still show love? That's what my mom did. She didn't fight with this and bad mouth. And she said, in spite of how I'm treated, I'm going to love. And the foundation in our life was, was Christ. You know, and, mm. and, and the thing about it is, the Bible says this. It says in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. I got to do the same thing. So if I got the creator living in me, it says, Chris has to love the world, regardless of what somebody does, regardless of what somebody has done to us. God, give, God always gives an example, and I'm going to share it with this. You remember when Jesus was going to get crucified, right? Mm -hmm. The same people that were screaming, screaming Hosanna was the same people that were screaming and saying crucify him. But what did Jesus do? Instead of striking them down and saying, you know who I am? He said this. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. So what he did, in spite of him getting punched in the face, in spite of him getting slapped, in spite of him getting punched, in spite of him getting kicked, he said, in spite of what you do, I'm going to love you. So now it says in Ephesians 5.1, it says, follow Christ as a much little child imitates his father. All I'm doing is imitating my father. So in spite of what somebody says to me or, or shows me injustice or whatever, I'm, I'm going to love even harder. I know that's hard to do, but I'm going to love even harder. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love what your grandma said. And, and coming from your grandmother, and like you said, yeah, going I mean, through all that and to love in spite of, that's pretty amazing. That is really, yeah. truly amazing. And when we look at the injustice today, Chris, what, what are you thinking? It's heartbreaking because um, we're trying to ask a president or we're trying to come up with policies to make change. And that's mm -hmm. not going to make change. We got we can have all the policies and all the marches we want, but if a person's heart's not changed, then the behavior's not gonna change. That's so right. 
we got to start reaching the person's heart. And the way you reach a person's heart is saying, you know what? In spite of what happened in the past, and, I, and I'm not negating the past because that was a that was a, that was a tough tough period of time. But inst instead of me hating you, I'm gonna love you even harder. You know, I had a situation where uh, I went to do yoga. Yeah, and I do yoga once in a while, oh, maybe twice. Yoga. <laughs> and a, a Caucasian lady came up to me and she said that she said, "I'm sorry for everything that I've done." And I looked at her. I said, "Well, what did you do?" She said, "I'm sorry about how my people treated your people." I said, first of all, let's let's get this clear this up." It's not you people and my people, we're God's creation. So that's number one. So once we got past that, I hugged her and I said, in spite of what went on, I love you as God's creation. I love you as God's masterpiece. And she cried because she felt the love as opposed to the hate. You know, I got two choices, to get better or get bitter. And don't get me wrong, there's times where I want to lash out. But if I lash out, the person's heart's not going to be changed. But if I love them, maybe God later on down the road changed their heart. So now the reaction can change with that person, this person, by just loving each other. Mm -hmm. Love is the key. That's what I hear you're saying, is to love people in spite of how they treat you. Um, that's kind of what we grew up on, yeah. too. Love, love is the key, and we need a yeah. lot of love in the world today. Um, when I think of you, yeah. too, I know that um, you have some beautiful children and, um, yes. and I want to ask you a question about how, because a lot of people are thinking, how do I teach my child in this kind of culture right now with, with this? And I know you're going to go back to love because you're going to, because I know you teach your kids yeah. oh, yeah. two things. How do I teach them? How do you feel about with the injustice against black men in general? How mm -hmm. are you teaching your son? What are you saying to your son that you can say to fathers out here today? how to um, encourage their sons. You know, the, the way we, we, we teach our sons is they're going to watch our example. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. That's how we yeah. teach our sons. I can talk all day on how to love, but then if I go outside and I go to the restaurant and I start cussing people out, they're like, Dad, you're contradicting with what you're saying. Right. What I do is right. I tell them to love, I tell them all those things, but they're watching me. And I'm going to give you an example. I remember um, we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as I'm, as I'm walking out there, the fans are out there and they want to sign autographs. So in, in, in the day before I told my son, I said, you make sure you treat everybody respectful. So now these guys, these, the, the, the fans are asked for autographs and all the people are walking, I mean, all, all the players are walking by and saying, I don't want to sign autographs. So now it comes to me. I just hurt my ribs. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. But then I walk up to the fence and the fans are screaming. So now my son is looking at me to say, dad, are you practicing what you preach? So I sat there for 45 minutes and said, now let's fast forward. My son does a Ray Charles movie and we're walking on the red carpet. All the stars are being mean to, you know, the, 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 the reporters. Mm -hmm. My son walks in and he's to every reporter. He's respectful and he signs autograph. Why did he do that? It's because in 1999, C.J. Sanders was watching his father. So now he was just imitating what I was doing. Mm. So the way we teach our kids is they got to follow our example. We can talk all day. We can scream all day. We can say what everybody needs to change. But they're going to follow every little thing that we do. That's really good, Chris. That's real good. And um, speaking of your son being a lot of people don't know, but he was in the Ray Charles movie. He was the 
the little blind kid, correct? The kid that had the, little Ray, yes, yes. So if you haven't seen that yet, you need to check that out. You see that father example in that as well. So um, just a, a beautiful person now. And now, Chris, he is actually playing for? He's not with a team yet, but he's got a couple of jobs for Dallas and Atlanta. And once he gets signed, it's, it's on and popping. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm excited yeah, about that. But he, that, he did yeah. play in college ball for Notre Dame and who else, I think? SMU. SMU. Yeah, SMU. Sure did. Yes. And really, really. See, I don't know football that much, so his position. <laughs> why, why, why was he going to kick off the turn? Awesome, awesome. I met him, and he, in that example, is there. You're an incredible father. And you have a daughter as well, a beautiful daughter. Um, and so excited for you with that and how you treat your children and teaching them love. Now, fast forwarding um, to today, and then we'll talk about some more things, but to today, you are actually, I love what you're doing today. You're doing a lot of things, and I love that, but it's all based on what you believe in and what you learned over the years. Tell us what you're doing today, because I know you're teaching, yeah. and you're teaching at a- All boys school is called Montgomery Bell Academy, and I, uh, I'm actually in the counseling department. So okay. I help kids with the off the field stuff that they're going through depression or going through different things in their life. And now we're talking about these racial things that are going on. So I get a chance to not just develop them as football players or develop them as a wide receiver. I develop them as men. Prepared not to just be, be a great football player, but just to be great men to change our society. So that's why I love the counseling department. Yeah, I love that. And Montgomery Bell Men's School is a really um, prestige school. And um, to be teaching there as an African-American male and touching the lives of e every culture, because it's black, it's white, it's Asian, it's diversity there. And so to be doing that and to speak into the lives of them is pretty amazing. And in this culture, in this time, would you say that? Yeah, it is. And you know, I teach our kids that, and especially our head coach and our coaching staff, because we have, we have different ethnicities on, as coaches. We got white, you know, Mexican, all kinds of different people. So we actually show in the coaching room that we love each other, we stand with each other, we laugh, we cry, we argue, but at the end of the day, they're our brothers. It's like this, just imagine having a box of crayons, okay? And the box of crayons in all different colors. The black crayon doesn't say to the white crayon, why are you in this box? <laughs> they're saying wow. we're in this box together. together. We're gonna color this paper and make a beautiful. If we can just, if crayons can get it, why can't we as people get it? Because the <laughs> thing about it, we're in the same world together, but if we color the portrait, we'll get a perfect picture by mm. using different crayons. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you also do a lot of speaking to an audience on the radio station, correct? If I'm not um, mistaken as well. Yes, that's where I talk about all the football, Tennessee type stuff. And we talk about how bad Dallas Cowboys are. Uh, we talk about <laughs> that, that jersey behind me, you know, and I just talk about how good the Tennessee Titans are and how bad the other teams are. Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> you're, you're pumping us up in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what I love about what you're doing as well, because I think you, you guys started a NFL chapter here in Nashville. And um, you do a lot with them. And I think the chapter tries to do things to, to speak into the life of young men and different things like that. Is that correct? And that's what some of your old pals, you know, you used exactly. to play with. 
Um, tell us about that. <laughs> you know, we, it's funny because we just had a golf tournament last week and all the proceeds help uh, uh, boys, and, boys and girls clubs and things like that and really educate, you know, boys and, and girls to, to be great, great, great people in society. So it's not just about a good golf tournament or, you know, just having fun and knowing each other. We have a purpose and that purpose is to make sure we help these kids in our community. And that's exactly uh, what we're doing. The head guy here that runs the NFLPA chapter here is, is, um, is it Al Smith. He used to play with mm -hmm. the Houston Oilers. Him, and he's doing a, a great job by really uniting us back as teammates, but also uniting us and getting us back in the community. So they're doing an outstanding job by what they're doing. That's awesome. How many of y'all is in that group? It's probably, I mean, it's probably maybe about 20 to 30 guys. I mean, you got okay, 80 awesome. shows out it. And then all guys that play for different teams actually come here sometimes and come in and be involved with what we're doing. I knew that yes. that chapter is really awesome here. So I thought maybe, oh, I have to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're really trying to go out there in the community and make a difference. Not just talk about making a difference, but going out there and being visible and raising money to really educate these kids in these boys and girls clubs. Now at BH365, we believe in education. And so you, you're there as a counselor at the Montgomery Bell and education is very important. And one of the ways we, we feel um, at BH365 is that we can counter a lot of this what's going on or help it or be a solution to it is that this curriculum that we have coming out. So tell me how you feel African-American history being a part of American history is. I think it has to be a big part, you know. I mean, I think we can't, a lot of times we just kind of gloss over, you know. We have yeah. Black history, and then that's it, and then we don't talk about it. You know, there's there's things I don't know that I need to know. You know, there's yes. a lot of stuff that my mom, my mom taught me that I didn't know. So it is important. I mean, it's not just, you know, like like Martin Luther King or, or, or different people like that. You have Jesse Owens. I mean, nobody, a lot of people don't know that Jesse Owens went through a lot of things. That's a part of Black history. You know, Thurgood Marshall, all these people that are beneficial that I didn't know. So a lot of times we talk about Black History Month and we talk about thing, our, our history, but what are we doing about it? It needs to be right. a curriculum. It needs to be a part of school. It needs to be a part of the thing. So now it's not just that Black people can understand it. Every ethnicity can understand what's going on. So now if we can understand what's going on, then now we can walk forward. Exactly. Education is key because if you don't know where you come from or what... Yeah you know, your ancestors previously experienced, then how are you gonna understand where you're going? It's very important for us to grasp that and you hit it right on the nail. We gotta know. And there's so much we don't know. And that's what I'm excited about this curriculum and just you being a part of this and even speaking on behalf with me with this mm -hmm. on this podcast, because that's our goal, is to share people like yourself who are the history makers that mm -hmm. believe in education and that are also the solutionists. You yeah. are a solution to what we're doing and what's happening in this injustice and the racial injustice yeah. in the world today. And I think too, once we understand our history and really understand where we've come from, I think we as black people can use it as fuel or come with an angry heart. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? To be like, oh, this is me, and, and have an angry say, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I've been through. This is what my mom would do. Let's respect it and do it with the, with the, with, with, out of love. You know, mm. it's nothing wrong with knowing your history. It's nothing wrong with knowing where you come from, but don't use it as 
a fuel to fuel anger. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We should not be fueling anger. We should be fueling love. Yes. I love it. You know, and the last, last thing I'm going to say, I'm just going to throw a little nugget. Okay. It goes like this. You got to listen to me. You got to listen to this because I love this. I love this. Okay. If, if we live by his story, then we're going to make history. You guess that? Yes, I got his. If we live by his story. His story. We're gonna make his with a capital H and separated. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Chris, it's, uh, it's been fantastic. It's always good to talk with you. And you. I'm so glad I've had a chance to introduce you to the audience of BH365, um, Black History Matters, because I think it's important. Again, I would love to have you back again on the show and just um, talk some more. You know, there's a minister part in you um, that's coming out, you know, because <laughs> you are a minister as well. We did not mention that. So we can come back on the faith side of things because we're going to be having faith roundtables and have you back with us. But I am so excited that you've been with us today. And you are, you are, you're my superstar. And um, yeah, you're my hero. <laughs> so you we know, appreciate you taking the time. You no, know, I appreciate you. I know a lot of times we look as athletes, as heroes, and, you know, entertainers as heroes, but you're the one that's the hero. You know, you, you're over, overcoming adversity, overcoming so many things. And I remember this song, it was by Elton John. It says, I'm still standing. Mm, and it goes, love it. I'm still standing better than I've ever been. I just want to encourage you, man, you're my hero and you're still standing. So I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. <laughs> Well, you've been listening to Black History Matters 365 with our special guest and our special friend, Chris Sanders, an influencer and a history maker of our day in this time. So we hope that next time you tune in with us on Black History Matters. And we thank you again, Chris, for joining with us.